0: But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a clear conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile you for your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Most of you did pretty well on that. I think there was a couple people down here. I don't know about them. But uh, we'll do better next time, huh? We learn it because we want to remember that Lord is calling us to give a defense for the hope that we have with, within us. And we want to be prepared. That's some of what our sermon series is about. We're trying to be ready to give an answer to those who ask questions. But we're also asking the question of ourselves, why is it that we struggle? Why is it that we struggle to share the good news of the gospel with the people around us? Why is it that we struggle even to invite people to church? We, we ask that question of you, what obstacles do you have? And, and you, you emailed back in and you texted uh, some of your answers and well, we really appreciate that. And so what we're doing is we're tailoring some of these messages to, to answer, um, uh, or address the obstacles that you're feeling in sharing uh, Christ with others or inviting people uh, to church. And one of the answers that, that you, uh, you emailed in was that you're hurt. Uh, you've been hurt by, by the world, by, by the church. Maybe you feel, and maybe the church hasn't been, as sensitive to your pains, and that's made the relationship with the church kind of hard. Maybe, maybe the church actually caused the pain. So it's no accident that we're, gonna, we're doing this message on the same day that we're, we commissioned our Stevens ministers. We have this pain inside, I'm hurt. What does God have to say to that? What does the church have to say to that? Even, even, even though the church may have caused that pain, what does the church have to say? What does God have to say about the pain that I'm feeling? Uh, the very fact that we have so many Stevens ministers is testimony to the fact that we have pains in our congregation. They are real. And our church really does want to try and address them as best we can. And we also know from the scriptures, the Lord wants to address your hurts. And that's what we see in the passage this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can turn there if you like in a Bible, or, or you can just follow along on the screen. But before I read the passage, I I want to acknowledge something that when we experience pain, we have this tendency to draw inward. And at times our hearts are hardened, hardened to messages of comfort. And we can get cynical in our, and, and we close our ears to any message of comfort. And so I say this morning to, to you that, are, that is hurting, the one that's hurting, will you listen? I gently say, open to what God may have to say to you this morning. Second Corinthians chapter one, beginning in verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He likes the word comfort, doesn't he? that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning and we give you thanks that we're able to meet without fear of persecution and gather to worship. And we thank you that You speak into our lives. You give us your word. And we thank you for the word here this morning. We pray that by your spirit, you would give us understanding, not simply to uh, the vocabulary, the the grammatical structure, but but the spiritual um, application of this passage to our lives. And I pray that this day, Lord, we might know the divine comfort Paul speaks of. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, a few years back, I uh, had the opportunity to work with uh, a school district on a, a community project, and uh, along with working on that project, I got to meet a lot of school administrators, and one school administrator in particular, I formed a, a very good working relationship. We were working probably most, most closely together than, than any of the other folks. And he was really pleased that, uh, uh, that a pastor was so interested in this community project. Sometimes school districts and faith communities have tense relationships. So he was, he was excited that I was a part of the project. And, and our working relationship was such and so positive that it became a personal relationship. Uh, we really enjoyed each other's company. And we started sharing um, facts from each other's lives. And I discovered that at one point in his life, he, he was a regular attender of church. So I asked him, "Well, what, what caused you to stop going?" And he and he told this story. He said, "Well, you know, I'm, I I love music, and uh, I was I had gotten involved with the uh, the praise band, and I loved doing it. I loved playing music, and I was so uh, invested in it that I I, I even bought instruments uh, for the church to expand you know the musical uh, uh, repertoire that we had there, and, and I even invested in the sound system. But at a certain point." Uh, I I realized I was being edged out. And before I knew it, I I wasn't playing at all anymore. And I felt so rejected that I just stopped going. And we can relate. Maybe we don't have that same kind of hurt in the church itself, but we have it somewhere, that same sense of rejection, uh, maybe at work or, or maybe in the neighborhood with our with our family. We have something that we find uh, resonates with that, our experience. And maybe some of our hearts are even deeper than that, than a personal rejection. Maybe it's a betrayal of some sort that results in a, a loss of a relationship, loss of reputation, maybe even loss of livelihood. And when we're in those moments, we say, God, why, why are you letting this happen? why didn't you stop this? You have the power, don't you? Why am I experiencing this? And it's true, God God is is all powerful. Um, He's not powerless to stop the things that happen to us. But we have to remember that if for God to stop all the pains that happen to us, he'd probably have to strip every one of us of our will. Because It's true that we experience some pains that come from the broken, fallen world, a a disease, a natural disaster, but really most of the pains that we experience are because of someone's neglect or someone's selfishness or downright someone's cruelty to us. And to be honest, we can behave that way too. We experience hurts in this life because we are all sinners. And God has addressed that. And what God has done in his power and his love is that he, he promises to undo all the hurts in this life, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we could, we're going to talk a little bit about how exactly he does that in, in a moment. But, but he, he came himself to address those hurts and to undo them. And, and at the same time, while many of those things are in the future, certainly uh, the final act of our salvation, resurrection, is in the future. In the meantime, he does bring us some measure of healing, some measure of comfort. Uh, he brings us hope. As we struggle through those trials, he brings comfort. And what the Lord is calling us to do is first to receive that comfort from him. And then as we are comforted, then to share out of the abundance of that with those who also need comfort. And we begin talking about uh, the comfort that we get from God and receiving that comfort. Paul writes in his letter uh, of the comfort of God. And that God himself is the God of all comfort. We see this often in Paul's writings. When he wants to emphasize an idea, he tends to use the word over and 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 over again. It's like, man, I get it, Paul. Do you really get it? I want to make sure. God brings comfort. And I find it interesting, even encouraging, that Paul talks about not our need for comfort, but his need for comfort. I don't know about you, you know, I'm a comic book nerd, so, you know, when I I, I tend to look through that grid sometimes, and I looked at Paul, he was the superhero of the New Testament. He was bold, he was capable, he was confident. Yes, at times he was embattled and engaged in fights, but he was victorious, you know? But Paul tells us, uh, you may perceive me that way, but that's not really my experience. My experience is of discouragement despairing even at times. We see it in verse eight, for we do not want you to be ignorant, basically saying, look, I don't want you to think of me as a superhero, like I can't be hurt. I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact I'm just like you. I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, yikes, you know, you come across someone like that, who tells you, how are you doing today, I feel like I have the sentence of death, well, I wish you well with that, you know, That's, this, is, this is heavy stuff. In telling people about Christ, Paul is in this, on this missionary journey. He's in what's modern-day Turkey. He called it Asia. And he faced challenges. Challenges so demoralizing, so devastating. They, they either felt like they were going to die or perhaps they really did have the threat, uh, uh, their lives threatened in, in the midst of that, of that mission. Now, I've never had my life threatened. I don't know about you, but, but I've never had my, my life threatened. Certainly, there's moments when I felt like uh, I want to die. You know, I remember and maybe you've had the experience of being so sick that it, it really sticks in your head. March 2003, I got the flu. I mean, I got it really bad. I never got the flu shot before. I have gotten it every year since. <laughs> I felt so bad. I wish I were dead, you know. But maybe that's not what Paul's talking about. Maybe Paul's talking about the time when I got a phone call from my mother telling me that my father had terminal cancer. Maybe it was the time that uh, a college friend of mine called me up and said, hey, our buddy, our classmate from college, he just got killed in a car wreck. Maybe it was the time you received an email from your boss saying, this Friday, it's your last day. Or maybe when your spouse told you they didn't love you anymore. We experience hurts in this life, from our family, from the world, maybe from the church. Sometimes they're self-inflicted, they're deep wounds, they're real, and Paul felt them too. certainly Paul's talking more about the missionary journeys, but we can broaden these, these principles out to all of our hurts that we experience in this fallen life And if Paul felt this kind of despair too, maybe he can tell me how to address my pain, tell me how to meet my pain. If Paul felt these things, maybe he has good advice for me. Paul, what did you do? Paul turned to the great source of all comfort. He turned to Jesus Christ. He turned to God the Father. Verse Three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. Okay, well, how does he do that? How does he comfort us? Well, sometimes it's, it's inexplicable. It's, it's a mystery, supernaturally. He, he comes to us in our moment of despair, and I've had these experiences, and I imagine this many of you have as well, where I'm just so hurt, I call out to God, and mysteriously I have this deep sense of his presence, and while the pain isn't taken away, I'm comforted because I know I'm not alone. Sometimes it comes in, 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 the, in, that, in that shape. Sometimes it comes from us knowing simply the heart of Jesus as we see it in the Gospels and the power displayed in the Gospels uh, of healing. Uh, we see uh, the blind man in John chapter nine receive his sight back. We see a demon oppressed girl find relief uh, because of the work of Jesus in Matthew 15. Or in Mark 5, there's a little girl who many people think is already dead, but Jesus says, no, she's not dead. She's just asleep. She needs, she needs to be roused, and Jesus brings healing to her. Perhaps it's, it's our hope we look to Jesus for that kind of healing, not a permanent healing, because all of those people eventually died again, just like Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, died again. It's only temporary, but boy, I'll take temporary in the midst of my pain, Often it comes to us in the form of simply grabbing hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the benefits, the the many things he gives us in our salvation. Um, When we're rejected, we know that God has not abandoned us. Why not? Because he's adopted us. He's made us a son and daughter. At One time we were far off and alienated, but he says, no, come close and call me Abba Father. When we are accused, we know the Lord has given us ultimate acquittal declared us innocent, not guilty. When we've been shamed, we know that the Spirit has made us new. He's made us a beautiful new creation. And that will go from glory to glory. Do you believe those things? And they can bring comfort in the midst of our distress. And we know that there is nothing that can be done to us in this life that the Lord won't undo. And also use for our good, somehow. It may not take away the dread of the pain that we're feeling, but it restores hope and purpose and maybe even a sense of victory. You know, here's the thing. The scriptures don't say that God is going to make us the avoiders of pain. We're going to be made overcomers. We have comfort that comes from salvation in Christ, from God our Father, but also the conduit through which we often receive comfort Um, is through those who share in our pain, share in our sufferings. Take them on as their own. Paul talks about that in verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure in the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in our comfort. There, he's just simply talking about we, we share in these things together. And sometimes we share in it but by, by listening, but sometimes it's simply presence. My father passed away about 25 years ago from cancer. And I was a young man of 21, I was just finishing up college. Finished my class, I, I was in my last week of classes when he died, and the funeral was in between graduation and, uh, and finals. My dad was a young man and was involved in many things in the community, so there were a lot of people there. I mean, there was a lot of people. And that was encouraging in one way, but it was exhausting and overwhelming in others as we, sat at the visit, as we stood in the visitation a line and people coming through and and expressing their condolences and to me they were strangers. But I was doing my best to labor through it, looking for some relief, when in the back I saw someone come through the door. It was an old high school friend. Someone I had shared the faith with and they had come to believe in Jesus Christ. And I hadn't seen them in a while. But I was so glad to see their face and I It was a long line in between the time that they would actually get to me. So I just waved them forward. And it gave me the opportunity to step out of line and to sit on the front row of seats in the funeral home. And we exchanged pleasantries of hello, but basically all we did was sit together. And it made the unbearable weight of the moment bearable. This is the blessing of God's family, the testimony of love that, that at least healthy churches have. I'm not saying perfect churches and there's no perfect church, but healthy churches. And, and that testimony of love, which Jesus said is the great sign that we are followers of Christ, that testimony of love is like a deep current in a river. And there are, there are moments that we can enjoy the river by, by simply kind of being in the shoals, and playing in the water there and find refreshment, uh, the cool of the water, but the real power of the river isn't felt until you get deeper. And you can feel it and it grabs a hold of you. And the church is like that. You can come and play in the shoals and enjoy the music. I really like that song. I like that song when they sing that song. And, uh, and the fellowship and the donuts and, My kids, they, they just love those donut holes. It's great. It's fun. But you gotta get deeper to really know the power of the testimony of love that God creates in his family and the church. Even if your hurts stem from experiences in the church, yes, we're not perfect and we're like family. And sometimes the deepest hurts come from family, right? But it's also in family that we find belonging. And the people who will stick with us even when we're wrong. And we don't know it yet. And that's God's family. It's the institution to which he's entrusted the gospel. And it's made up of broken people just like you. And there's moments when we go, oh, I can't believe that person said that. I'm embarrassed to be identified with so-and-so. Well, guess what? You're not perfect either. And if God makes room for you, he's going to make room for other people just like you. And yeah, we're gonna hurt each other at times. I concede that some of us have some rough edges, so I say this. When you're in pain, don't go to those people. Everybody has gifts, not theirs. (laughs) But there are some people in our congregation who are gifted, and the Lord has brought them through dark valleys and fiery trials. You've heard some about them earlier this morning and they've received comfort. And they wanna share that comfort with you. So take advantage of it. If you are in a place of hurting right now, whatever it may be, maybe, maybe it would be a blessing to you to have a Stevens minister. And you can come talk to me or you can simply go talk to Karen Lovell, who we affectionately refer to as Mother Superior. And she will, she will find a Stephen's minister for you, to come alongside you in your pain, to walk with you, to share in your sufferings. If you're hurt, seek out God's comfort through those themselves who have received it. Now to those of you who, who already know it, who know the profound grace God has given in his divine comfort Don't keep it to yourself. Share it. God sends us comfort that we might know healing in this life, but but the result of receiving that grace is that you're in a position to share out of the abundance which God has given you. Again, verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God cares for you. God God loves you, but he's calling you to be as he is, comforting others who are in distress. And whether it's, whether it's from the abundance of that inexplicable experience you have of God's presence with you, comforting you, or or whether the hope that you've you've taken from seeing Jesus at work in the gospels, bringing healing to people, or from just your apprehension of the gospel and and, and the fact that you're justified, you're acquitted before God, the fact that you're adopted and belong or whatever other benefit there is in in salvation for you, you can share that with other people. And from the abundance, the Lord calls on you to serve. And it begins by sharing, sharing first the suffering, which I know can be difficult because sharing the suffering, suffering often means reliving it a little bit, but then after sharing that, sharing the comfort you received, the comfort that God sent in the midst of your pain. Paul goes on to describe the experience of sharing both in suffering and comfort in verses 5 and 7. He says for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And skipping down to verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. What is he getting at there? He's saying that as we share in people's sufferings, as we enter into it by listening, by talking to them, by taking it on, by praying for them, by wrestling with God in prayer for our people, we become bonded to them in their experiences, both in their suffering, but then also in their comfort and maybe even triumph over this suffering and trial. A number of years ago, I was ministering to a couple at another church who were having great problems with infertility, and if you've experienced this, you know the pain of it, uh, of, of the heartbreak, of the disappointment of trying and it not working out, of trying and not working out, of going to doctors and trying certain drugs and then going, trying procedures and then, and, and then waiting and, and, and then the disappointment that comes and then basically starting the cycle all over again. And I was praying with them and talking with them, at times crying with them, in the midst of this, what seemed like an unending cycle of heartbreak. And then came the morning. At church, I was getting ready, uh, setting some things up, and the wife, very inconspicuously, kind of found me and kind of walked up to me, trying not to draw attention to herself in any way. And she came over to me, and leaned over to me. She said, hello. And I said, oh, hello. And then she, she, she got real close to my ear and she said, I'm pregnant. And it was all I could do from just like just jumping out of my skin and leaping for joy. I mean, I was so excited. So I was just like. No, I, I, I wasn't pregnant. But boy, I shared in their joy. We share in people's sufferings, but but we also get to share in their comfort and maybe even their triumph. There are times when God, in in our prayers, he says to us, wait. There's times he even says no, but he also says yes. And ultimately, all our requests for relief find their yes in the resurrection, that great hope unique to Christianity or to our Christian faith, because our God, as Paul says in this passage, is the God who raises the dead. Our hurts may give us pause in our enthusiasm for church or or telling people about Christ, but if we can see past the hurts to the healing that we have, we have something unmatched in power to offer people. Can you see it? Can you believe it? So, what do we say to people like my friend that I talked about at the first part of the sermon? Feeling rejected. We certainly want to offer him friendship and inclusion, but it really begins with the source of our own acceptance, doesn't it? Knowing that we're accepted by God and included by God. God says to the lonely, come, be my son, be my daughter. God says to the shamed, see, I have made you new and you are lovely. God says to the guilty, I have made atonement for your sin by my very blood. If you don't know the comfort of this good news, I invite you to put your faith in Christ and begin to taste of this divine comfort. And if you already know this comfort, share it. Share it with people who desperately need it. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, again, your grace to us, the great comfort you've given us in Jesus Christ, and we pray that as we are deeply, deeply comforted by it, that, we might share it with others who are also in pain, who also say, I am hurt, and we'll weave together, find healing in your love and your mercy. We pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I like that. We receive comfort as we hear the word preached, but also we receive comfort in a different way here as we see the same gospel portrayed in a dramatic fashion uh, in the cup and in the bread. Here we celebrate not so much the death of Jesus, but what Jesus' death accomplished for us. Redemption. The healing of all our deepest hurts And if it's your faith, you look to Jesus, he invites you to come and be strengthened in that faith, not to put your faith in these elements, but to put your faith in Jesus Christ, who is represented in what we do here today. That's your faith, whether it's weak or strong. Partake and be strengthened and renewed in that faith. If it's not your faith, I would encourage you not to partake um, don't be embarrassed by that. We're just, we just wouldn't want you to profess something with your actions, which wouldn't be true of your heart and your mind. But, but if, if you don't have your faith in Jesus, maybe now is the moment. Maybe now is the moment to say, yes, I am hurt, and I need healing, and I look to Jesus for it. Would you pray with me that the Lord would use the supper this way? Father, thank you again for your your grace and mercy towards us in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this sign, this symbol of your love for us. And we pray that by your spirit, you would take these very ordinary things, bread and grape juice, and do something extraordinary with them. Build us up in confidence of your love, that we might leave this place more like Jesus than when we came. By your spirit, Lord, work in us and through this sacrament. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. The same way after the supper, he took the cup and having blessed it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death, the power of it, the love that inspired it. We proclaim that to ourselves and to the world until he comes again. Just a few words of instruction here. We're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we have unleavened bread this morning. Don't be surprised by that. It's just like the bread that Jesus used in that first Lord's Supper. And if you need a gluten-free option, it is, uh, as always, underneath the cloth to the side here. Uh, and then after we're done with the, uh, the cups, please pass them to the edges. Would the servers now come forward and distribute the Lord's Supper to the congregation.